What a beautiful name. Jesus, what a beautiful name. And it referred to the name of Jesus and who he is and what his name means and, and, and what, he, what his name does. Um, once the uh, thing comes up, so we say, Jesus, what a beautiful name. We joy and peace, strength and hope, grace that blows all fears away. Uh, we read on the lyrics, truth revealed, my future sealed, he heals my pain. Love and freedom, life and warmth, he rescues my soul, he's my stronghold. He lifts me from shame. Forgiveness, security, power, and love, grace that blows all fear away. Jesus, what a beautiful name. That beautiful name of Jesus, that in some countries, if you proclaim the name of Jesus, you are actually imprisoned and you have your life threatened for proclaiming and bearing the name of Jesus. In other countries, you are mocked, you are ridiculed, you could even lose a social standing if you proclaim and bear the name of Jesus. Even in Australia today and in much of the West, the name of Jesus, that beautiful name, is used more as a profanity nowadays, uh, more as a swear word rather than a name that instills strength, hope, joy, peace, and security. When it comes to the name of Jesus, it is more than just an identification and it is more than just a name you throw out in frustration. In biblical culture, names meant something. They meant something. They represented something about them and about who they are. Uh, for example, Jacob was called usurper for when he was born. He was holding on to his older brother's heel. Ichabod was named so because the glory had departed from the temple. And that's what Ichabod means at that particular time, and why he was named such. Sarah means princess. You have Joseph, which means to add to. That's it, to add to. And I've shared this before. My name is Joseph. My name, my name means to add. My last name, Helg, means weak. So my name literally means to add to weakness, which is cool, biblically speaking, for when I am weak, then Christ is strong. I, like I never thought about that until just now, okay? Esther means star, and we have the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That means Savior or Deliverer. Now, we have something similar in various cultures. For example, can you raise your hand if you have a Chinese name, please? All right. Now, what I really like, I've met Koreans who have Korean names as well, and you have your English name, and, and usually there's a meaning behind the Chinese name, which I think is really quite cool. So, Julie, if you don't mind me asking, what is your Chinese name and what does it mean? Easy going, easy going. And if you know Julie, you know she's none of those things. Exactly. <laughs> she's... <laughs> Okay, Jimmy, do you mind me asking if you have just one more? What's your Chinese name, brother? Wow. Wow. That is, that is, I don't think we'll go any further from that. But knowing your parents, I can see why you're named. It's, it's over. We'll stop there. We'll stop there. That, yeah. Pastor John, yeah. Pastor John, Auntie Kathleen, well done. Well done. Great name. Great name. 
Now, we, we have something similar in Polynesian cultures as well. Uh, for example, in Polynesian cultures, in, in generations gone by, they're always connected to family. For example, I think this is on. I think this is, it's not working. Can you switch over, please? Thank you. This is my little brother, Frank. He's actually, he's got, he's got two middle names. He's Frank, he's named after my Uncle Frank, which is the, the picture on the top there, my Uncle Frank, who's my mum's brother. The gentleman down the bottom is Nelson. Uh, he was called Uncle Chico. But that's Nelson, and the little baby that he's holding is me when I was a, a youngster. And look how cute that guy is. And then he also has another name of one of my other uncles called Johan, and we don't have any photos of him, but that's my brother there. Then there's... Okay, this just doesn't seem to be working. Okay, sorry. Oh, here we go. Then we hear this, the people in the middle there. Those are my grandparents. Those are my parents. Now, the youngster there is Bryce. Now, Bryce is named after my uncle Bryce, which is the photo just above him with the huge ears. That's where I get the ears from within my family. The hell, the ears are monstrous. Um, <laughs> Bryce, which is actually named after my Uncle Bryce, but also happens to be my grandmother's maiden name. Uh, my older brother there on the other side, on the right side, that's Fritz, who's named after my grandfather. My grandfather, who was a lay preacher and a minister in the Samoan government uh, many years ago. He has a wonderful testimony on how Jesus Christ saved him, which I'll share at another time. But that's the reason why there he's named Fritz. And then Emily is named after my grandmother, who's Emily herself. Now, there are a lot of Emily or Emilies in my family because she was the matriarch of our family. And my grandfather, uh, Fritz, was the, mate, was the patriarch of our family. Very godly couple, a very godly couple, which they had sought to instill and keep that legacy throughout the years by giving and imparting various names. All my brothers are named after family members, including myself. I'm named after my uncle, Joseph Raymond. Now, as opposed to keeping a family legacy... Uh, or as opposed to naming someone to speak into their lives with their naming, the name of Jesus outshines them all. And if that works now, thank you so much, my sister. The battery might die. Okay. The name of Jesus outshines them all. Why? Because the name of Jesus represents for us as Christians the beauty, the power, the authority, and the very reality of His presence, of His Lordship, and of His sovereignty over us as His people, over this world as His creation, and over all existence as King of kings and as Lord of lords. It is why when Jesus was preparing his disciples for his leaving, he actually said to them this in the next slide. What I'm going to do, Cassie, and the battery's dead, I'm going to change like this. I'm going to point it at you to change every time. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, verse 26, you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. It's John 1. 
23b to 27. Now, there's something I actually want to stress here, and I have encountered this with a lot of people who don't know who Jesus is, especially regarding the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is not a magic word like abracadabra to conjure something up out of nothing. The name of Jesus is not like the magic word that children say when they say please or thank you for them to get something. Okay, I want to actually make that, it's not a formula to manipulate God into doing your bidding. When we say in Jesus' name, when we pray, for no other, we pray because, oh sorry, we say that when we pray because a lot of us think that it's, a, it's like a stamp of approval that needs to be said for our prayers to be heard, which isn't actually the case. It's not some religious tool that you use to get your way. And the reason why I say this is because in Acts chapter 19, there were some religious activists going around invoking the name of Jesus like a formula without actually knowing who Jesus is or were even known by Jesus, and they suffered the consequences of such dangerous actions. They're known as the seven sons of Sceva, and in Acts chapter 19, Verses 13 to 16, that worked. It's not up there? Okay, that's all right then. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 19, verses 13 to 16. It says this. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of, the, of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. <clears throat> Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, was doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. This is when somebody who doesn't know Jesus tries to invoke the power of Jesus by claiming his name without knowing him and end up suffering horrendous consequences. Why? Because the name of Jesus is not something to be trifled with. The name of Jesus is not something to be used in such a way. This is a classic case of 2 Timothy chapter 3, when we looked at in verse 5, that they have a form of godliness. They were religious, but they were denied the very power. Okay? What separates the name of Jesus then from the magic words and the formulas that, that, that we try to use it for? What separates this beautiful name from the tool that many people try to use it? So I'm going to open in prayer, and we're going to look at three aspects, three aspects of the beautiful name of Jesus, that wonderful name that we know. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity we have to look at you. Father, not be distracted by what's going on around us, what we've experienced in the past week, but to solely keep our eyes upon you, the author and perfecter of our faith. So I pray that now you will settle our hearts, you will calm our minds, you will, you will help our spirits to focus on you as we look into your word, and may you reveal yourself to us in such a way where we cannot help but be taken up in the sheer greatness of your love for us. So we ask this now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You and I 
if we've been born again by the Spirit of God, have been given the right to be called the children of God. That's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12. Through Jesus Christ and what He has done on the cross, He he has enabled us to be born again into His family, and that by faith, being born again by His Spirit, He has granted access to you and I to everything He is and everything He has and everything He has promised in His name. Therefore, in His name, we'll look at first His beauty. As we look at the beauty of His name. Now, during Christmas, I had the privilege of sharing with you from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, these wonderful names that Jesus is called. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the beauty of his name listed here is manifested in the very person of Jesus Christ. For example, you see his wonder as he instilled, the wonder that he instills within the rabbis when he teaches the scriptures as a young boy in Luke chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. You see the counsel he provides when he meets an, an ousted woman at a well in Sychar in John chapter 4, verses 1 through to 26. You witness his power by him commanding the weather in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. You observe his claim that before Abraham was I am, his, his very nature in John chapter 8, verse 58, of being eternal by his nature before Abraham was, I am. And behold, him establishing, establishing peace between holy God and sinful man when by his sacrifice the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom, allowing sinful people like us, by faith in him, access to God. In Mark 15, verse 38. His very being and action is manifest in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. A name so beautiful and represents everything God is. For example, in John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, It is Jesus that who declares who God is. In John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said, Whoever sees me sees my Father. So much so is, is, is Jesus above everything else in his sheer beauty that even the spirit of an antichrist cannot admit the beauty of who he is. We read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the antichrist denying the Father and the Son. And the reason why I say that is because this reality is presented in society today, how people deny Jesus' very existence, how people seek to bring him down to a level of being just a man or being an enlightened teacher, or how they, they they seek to label him as a myth. I was talking with Nathaniel just recently, and he asked me about, well, what what non-Christians are there that believe Jesus existed? And that Jesus was actually real. And I, I shared with him a gentleman by the name of Bart Ehrman. He's actually a New Testament scholar, but is an atheist. And he, he says, he says himself that any historian that claims that Jesus Christ didn't exist is a fool. Now, he denies that Jesus is the actual Messiah, but he says you cannot deny that Jesus existed that he lived, that he was crucified, and that people report that he rose again from the dead. 
You cannot deny those four facts. And he says, that is historical fact. And there are a number of people that agree with him. Any other person who disagrees with that, he says, aren't worth their salt as historians. And I thought, well, that's, that's very interesting. But, you see, this is why it's important for me never to allow anything, whether from the treatment of others, whether my disappointment at work, whether there's a breakdown in relationships, whether there's financial struggles, whether there's failing health, to take away from me the beauty of his name. Nothing that can ever... That, and you, you know the, some of the stuff that we all go through. We all go through stuff because life is full of stuff. But that never diminishes who Jesus Christ is and the sheer majesty of his greatness, the sheer beauty of his being. It never takes away from that. It's the reason why as you read through the Scriptures, you read about how Jesus is the bread of life that provides substance and eternal satisfaction. You read how Jesus is the light of the world that enlightens the soul and illuminates our purpose. You read about how Jesus is the door by which we enter into life, security, and protection. You read how he is the good shepherd that oversees and sacrifices himself for his flock. That he is the resurrection of the life through which death is conquered and the grave is overcome. You see, the beautiful name of Jesus is the way by which he leads, the truth by which we can be assured, and the life by which abundance here and from here and now to eternity can be experienced. That he is the vine within whom we abide to know fruitfulness and empowerment. The reason why I want to focus on this is because if we can, if we can focus on who Jesus is and the beauty of all that he offers us, doesn't that put so many other things in perspective? Doesn't it sort of help you to understand and value what's really important? To be caught up in such things, the beautiful name of Jesus, our God, our Lord, and our friend. And the beauty is not just limited to that. The beauty extends also to what I call the authority of his name. The authority of his name refers to the weight his name wields. I know, I know I've shared this a number of times with you, but I, I like the idea. It's, you, you see this all the time when parents, parents ask their children not to do something, so they send another child to say, go on, you know, for example, I know they're only young, but Ellie goes to, Ellie, no, I'm not saying you're young, your children are young. You're, you're old now. It's a, okay. <laughs> but like, but like say, say, you know, Ellie goes to, to Ariella, go tell Jonah he's got to stop doing that. And so he go, she goes and says, uh, you've got to stop doing that. But Jonah looks at his sister and goes, Psh, and then carries on. Why? Because it's just his sister. But if Ariella goes, mom said, mom said, you're not allowed to do that. What happens if he goes, Psh, yeah, Psh, that's usually what happens. There's a consequence. Why? Because Ariella's not going on her own authority, but the authority of someone greater. So it is with us. We, it's the name, it's, sorry, it's the weight that the name of Jesus carries. It's a reference to the legal position that name or that he holds over any given situation. Uh, for example, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, we read that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus speaking to his disciples, Jesus speaking to us. 
Now, what I like is that the Greek word for authority here is exousia. And that means jurisdiction, power, right, and strength. It refers to the representative authority and legal right to exercise that power. A power that under his commission has been given to us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, Dr. Tony Evans and we, the leaders, we actually uh, had a look at this illustration that he gave us. And I think this is one of the best illustrations of authority I've heard, which was from Dr. Tony Evans, speaking in terms of a game of football. So in this game of football, how the, the, you have these, these massive men that go around, and the power within which they yield, Tony Evans referred to as being dunamis. It was, it was powerful. They're physically powerful. They could run, they could jump, they can throw, they can catch, they can knock people over, they can break tackles. If anything, you wouldn't want to go one-on-one with a lot of these gridiron players. But he referred to another team being on the field. The two teams that were in conflict, there was another team that was on the field, but not part of the actual conflict. And this was the team of the refs. So the officials of the game, they didn't, they didn't actually have exousia, uh, sorry, they didn't have dunamis because they were nowhere near as athletic, as strong, as fast, or as powerful as the players. But the power that they had was exousia. They had the authority to determine what goes on in the field. They had the authority to say, and the backing of the rule book and of the, uh, the, the governing body of the NFL to say this should happen and that should happen. And I believe the example Tony Evans gave was whilst the, the, the players with dunamis could knock you down, the refs with exousia could take you out. They could actually knock you out of the game. For example, there's this one ref by the name of Nigel Owens. I saw this. I saw this game between two teams in London. And these two teams were getting a bit fickle. Now, Nigel Owens is about five foot nine high. He's, he's a podgy little man. He's, he's actually the number one ref, rugby ref in the world, at least he was up until last year. Um, so he's a very good ref. And there was a lot of friction going on. It was a very tense game, a lot of niggle going on, a lot of elbows, a lot of punches, things like this. And so Nigel Owens had enough. And so he stopped the game. He stopped the whole game, and you had 30 men spread out on the field, and he said, come in here. Everybody come in here now. And he had, there's a player, a winger that was right there. He wasn't moving. The winger was there. And so all the players just gathered around. There's one player that stood there, and he says, I'm not coming. I'm not going. I'm not saying anything. The game's not continuing until that player gets here. And so they stopped for a good 30 seconds, and everybody turned around and said, hurry up. And they all got it. You have this little five foot nine man commanding the attention and the players that outweighed him, that were taller than him, that were a heck of a lot stronger than him. But whilst they had power, he had the authority. And in that authority, he determined what should be done, when it should be done, and how it was going to happen. And if anything happened, then he would just, you're out of here. Off you go. Now, being a person that's been sent off a field, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you All you say is, thank you, sir, and leave. And which I thought, wow. But that shows, that shows the difference. Now, the reason why I want to express that is because we are commissioned by him who has the ultimate exousia. We are commissioned with the authority of Jesus Christ himself to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to go into all the world 
and make disciples. We are, with that exousia charge to go out, we are charged to preach the word being instant, in season and out of season, according to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. We, we are called with that exousia, that authority given to us through Jesus Christ, to snatch those out of the fire, according to Jude 23. And we are never ever told to do this in my own strength or on my own authority or even in my own wisdom. It's never to be the way I think it should be done, but on the authority of Jesus Christ. We are, we are, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20 puts it, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. An ambassador goes on the authority of their home country to represent, abide by, and conduct themselves in accordance with that kingdom. And we see such conduct in the book of Acts continually. But we have been given such authority to represent not our own kingdom, but the kingdom of God. Not our own values, but the values of Jesus Christ. Not our own goals, but the goals in which the Spirit has empowered us to live a life that is holy, acceptable, and pleasing in His sight. We have been given that authority to overcome the enemy and live in a means that glorifies Jesus Christ. But you see this exousia demonstrated all throughout the book of Acts. People living in accordance to the kingdom of God and not their own kingdom. For example... The authority exercised by Jesus' name as Peter heals for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, when Jesus heals in Acts chapter 3 over physical ailments, the authority of Jesus' name that appoints whom he chooses for the work he wants in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 and 9, when, uh, sorry, 9 and 10, when Jesus meets Paul on the road to Damascus. And then when he calls out to Ananias to go and pray for him, and he says, I've, I've heard about this man. Jesus said to him, I've got something big planned for this guy. The sovereignty that he chose, the authority that he gave. And it is that authority that has been imparted to us as the children of Jesus Christ, as we go about that same commission he gave us. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 17, it says, He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name, in his authority. The beauty of Jesus' name to encourage us of who we are. The authority of Jesus' name to enable us for what we are to do. Which means, which means once again, that we are enabled by the Spirit of God to do the miraculous for the privilege of being his witnesses. This is what Acts 1, about, 1 verse 8 is about. You know, that we are to, to go, and he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So we could be his witnesses. And I know, I've, I, I know I'm a parrot. I know I'm a broken record. But the power that is given to us in the authority of Jesus' name is not to walk around so he can be powerful. It is so we can represent who Jesus Christ is. That's, that's all it's for. To wield, it's not to wield as a power play. It's not to make you feel good about yourself. It's so that you can be a witness for the gospel, which raises this last point. It raises this point of the, the power, the power of his name. 
seat. Where the previous point focused on the legal right and the divine authority that his name has, the exousia, it's different from power in the sense that power is the ability, the, the dunamis, to enforce and carry through the decisions such authority makes. For example, if Jarrell said to Nathaniel, you can't do that. And Nathaniel says, for those who don't know, Nathaniel's my 25-year-old son, and Jarrell is my, my, my 13-year-old son. And so if my 13-year-old goes to my 25-year-old and says, you can't do that, Nathaniel, and he says, why? Because I don't want you to. I think you should stop. What would happen if Nathaniel said, make me? Make me. Jarrell has no power to back it up, does he? Now, if he said, Dad, then he's got power. <laughs> but then that's not, Nathaniel's probably beat me up too. But anyway. <laughs> but but, 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 but do you understand? There's, there's nothing to back it up. He can go there and say, okay, you can't do this, but he's got nothing to back it up. This is what separates the name of Jesus from God. Yes, he has the authority, but he has the power to back up his claims. He has the power to confirm and, 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 and to fulfill his promises. He has the power to do such in your life and in my life. That is the difference. It's the power that gives boldness, that, comes, that gives boldness to step out and proclaim God's promises. Um, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, we are told that, that don't think about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say in that time. And so you think, okay, the power to go out and see God fill his promise when you step out and say, Lord, give me the words to speak, and he gives it to you to say the right thing at the right time. And you read this in, nine, in Acts chapter 9, verse 27, Paul, who in Damascus he had preached fearlessly the name of Jesus. Paul, who had come from being, as I said before, from an enemy of Christ to being, to being a, a servant of Christ. And even some of the, the, the Christians that were there were fearful. Who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? We know who he was. We know what he did. We know how he, I think Galatians termed it, how he sought out the church and wasted it. He wasted it. I really like that way. Wasted it. He wasted it. Sorry, it's in the King James, but it just, I just like the way that sounds. He wasted it, but now he was somebody that was for the church because Christ had transformed them. And so when, when they heard about him, what is it? Barnabas goes and says, this is what he's doing. He's gone to Damascus and fearlessly proclaiming the name of Jesus. The confidence, the confidence that we get in Jesus' name that God the Father hears us. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 to 15, it speaks about that if we ask anything in his name, God hears us. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse that when you're talking to somebody and you're looking at their faces and you, while they're talking and then they don't listen to a word you're saying. You're just like, they're saying, and we all know people like this, and I, I'm guilty of doing this, that when you're talking to me and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll see you later. Then I'm like, what would they say? What? But we, we have given this confidence in the person of Jesus Christ that he hears us, that God hears us because in Christ we can approach him on his merit. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. 
The fact that in Jesus' name, we are washed, we are sanctified or set apart, and we are justified by His Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And as such, we are sealed until our day of redemption, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. The power of Jesus' name is ours because we are His. Okay, the power of Jesus Christ is ours. The authority of Jesus Christ is ours. The beauty of Jesus Christ is ours because we are His. We have reference to His authority, but also to His power. If you carry on that passage in Mark chapter 16, it carries on. In my name, they will drive out demons. In my name, they will speak in new tongues. In my name, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people in my name, and they will get well. In my name, the power of Jesus Christ to take lives, to transform lives. The power of Jesus' name that stands above every name and commands obedience at his very mention. We are told that the demons flee at the name of Jesus. We prayed this morning, and with Pastor John and I were praying, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are told in James that we are to resist the devil. And you know what happens when we resist the devil in Jesus' name? He will flee. That is the beauty of his name. That is the authority of his name. And that is the power of his name that is given to us as his children. The power of Jesus' name that stands above every name. We are told this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the name of Jesus to focus our hearts in times of distress. This is the name of Jesus to calm our spirits in times of hurt, to center our minds in times of turmoil, to refocus me on what's really important, to calm me for he is in charge and to enable me even when I'm uncertain. Now, as I shared before, there is stuff going on. There's always stuff going on, and which stuff, when, when stuff arises, the most proactive thing we can do is not to whinge and not to complain, which I am prone to do, but rather to focus our hearts and our minds on the person of Jesus Christ. See, what I do know, and, and you could probably apply this to your own life, when you look around you, this is what I've seen as I looked around you taking place, taking place in the lives and of people around me. I was talking with Jono. There's a gentleman on one side, Pete and Sue, lovely couple. And uh, Pete has a son who's, who's gone through a lot of difficulties at times. And um, his son was in the army. He, he suffered a breakdown and things like that. And, and Pete himself, he just had a, a shoulder reconstruction. Uh, and so he, he can't do stuff. So I was mowing his lawn the other day. I was mowing my lawn. And I thought, well, he can't mow his lawn. So I just I started moving over and I just went over and did, did his lawn. I didn't do a very good job, but I, 
I, he, he's, a, he's a former army man, so I, I knocked on his door and said, bro, I know you can't mow your lawn. I just mowed your lawn for you, and, he, and I'm sorry it looks terrible. But, uh, and he goes, no, thanks, because I, I can't do that. And I said, look, anything you need me to do, let me know, and I'll do whatever I can. And he said, oh, thanks, he, which he appreciates. So there's Pete going on on his side. On the other side, there's a, a woman who has been hunted by her former partner who just got out of prison at the beginning of the week. And, and he's been in jail four times for being violent to her. And she shared with me quite openly and said, this is what's going on. And, and stuff. so I've got to catch up with her because I want to get a photo of the guy and says, if he shows up, can you please let me know? And I'll just call the police because I've got an AVO out on him. There's stuff going on around us. Uh, at, at work at uh, Borkham Hills High, Mick, he's a janitor guy, about the working bee, really nice guy. And I was talking with him. His mum passed away last year. And he basically has really no friends. He's just alone. And his mum passed away. And, and every time he talks about his mum to me, he starts crying. And, and so, you know, I mean, there's stuff, there's stuff going on, you know, whether it be at work, uh, whether it be in your neighbourhood, whether it be in your own families. My dad was in hospital beginning of this week, and I was talking with him and, and just what's going on in his life and, and how with my mum passing away, there's stuff there's stuff going on. Uh, even in ministry at Kairos, there's Lee, and, and Craig knows Lee, and Lee is, is he's trying to get out and, and look after his wife and kids, trying to get out of prison, look after his kids. There's stuff, there's stuff going on. And with so many things that's going on, I, I look at these people and I think, imagine if they could come to know the beauty of Jesus' name. Imagine if they could come to know the power and the authority that's experienced in Jesus' name. Imagine the freedom and the liberty that have not been bound to this life in Jesus' name. And whilst I can get caught up in so many silly things outside of that, there are people that are in real need that are hurting that need to hear the beautiful name of Jesus. And, and, and it's a name that, that we've been given. It's a name that we've been granted in the power of Christ himself, that beautiful name of Jesus. And so my, my encouragement for you is that, that we won't succumb to the traps of the devil and, and see everything else except Jesus. That, that we won't, won't be tripped up, tripped up by my own selfishness and be distracted from the name of Jesus. That I, I was listening to a sermon just recently, and he said, even just to sit there and to call out the name of Jesus as you meditate upon who he is and the peace that passes all understanding that comes upon you as you do that, because it is his name whose beauty is unparalleled. It is his name whose authority is unmatched. It is his name whose power is unrivaled. Oh, that God would open our eyes to see, to know, and experience the power, the authority, and the beauty of Jesus Christ, my King. And that's my encouragement to you tonight, that we get back to, I mean, this, this, this is a wonderful study. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's a great opportunity to, to do this study, to actually get involved with this. But what this does, this, all this does, all this does is give us the tools to be able to clearly talk about Jesus. That's the focus. It's the tools to enable us to talk about our King who loved us and gave himself for us. And so as you leave here this morning, my encouragement to you is to spend time getting to know Jesus. 
the beauty of his name, the authority of his name, and the power of his name. And if I could ask the music team to come up and we'll close in a song, and I'll close in prayer after that. Thanks.